Since you people are so rowdy this morning, I'm running behind already, so let me jump right into the Word of God. That was a joke. You can laugh. I, 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 I appreciate your rowdiness and your attention to the Spirit this morning. So this morning, I'm going to begin a new series of messages that, is, that we're calling Trapped. And every week, I'm going to explore different things that believers and non-believers alike are often trapped by. As a matter of fact, this series is going to get right up in your face. It's going to be confrontational. It's going to be challenging. Because my intention, hear me, is to get you loose. Because there's a great many people that walk around with the freedom inside of them that never manifests itself in their life. There are things that I want you to get loose from that have been holding you back. Some of you for months, some of you for decades. And I'm going to explore many different things during this series that has been holding you back. And many of you won't even know until I expose it that you're stuck, that you're trapped. Because you've been trapped in one place for so long that the trap becomes normal. I, I'm already preaching. If you're waiting on me to get there, I'm already there. See, some of us have been trapped for so long that we stopped seeing the trap. We have lived on the inside of it for so long that we don't realize that we've been standing still for a long, long time. The trap has so grabbed us that we have become numb to the pain and we think life inside the trap is normal. This morning I'm going to begin to look at the problem and I'm going to talk about being trapped between our destiny and disaster. Our destiny, which is where we want to be, and disaster, which is where we usually blame other folks for. How come when we wind up in destiny we take credit for it and say our God did this but when we end up shipwrecked on the rocks we blame our ex we blame mama we blame the third grade teacher that didn't believe in us we blame the ones who dropped us who let us down who disappointed us who didn't lead us the way that they thought that the ones that committed to us but didn't follow through we blame them for our disasters when in truth We've gotten trapped. Before I start this series, I'm going to give you Webster's Dictionary definition of what a trap is. We're going to be very elementary this morning. Trap is a verb. Past tense is trapped. That is our series title. Here's what definition one means, and it's the one that most of you think of when I say trap. However, it's not the one I'm going to use. Trap is to catch like an animal in a trap. Look at these similar words. Conjure or confine, that means to hold back, to catch, to cut off, to corner, to pin down. Some of you have been pinned down for a long, long time. To drive into a corner, to pin him in, close in. And here's my favorite, hold captive. Do you have any idea how your emotions have held you captive over the years? Do you have any idea how your mindset and the way that you see the world and your worldview has held you down and held you captive? Oh, no, no, no. No, I know it's somebody else's fault. I'll get to you in a moment. 
Some of you have been held captive, not by them, but from within. I've come here looking for that problem this morning. Because when, when you continue to read the definition, look what it says. To prevent someone from escaping a place. Some of you have been held down from within and you've not escaped in a long, long time. Well, I've come to prophesy over somebody's life. The Holy Ghost is going to set somebody free. And this is the definition I'm going to use throughout this series. Have something, typically a part of the body, held tightly by something so that it cannot move or be free. I specifically will be dealing with this definition through this series. Typically a part of the body that is held tightly by something that it cannot move and cannot get free. And this morning, I'm going to talk about one of the parts of the body that is most often trapped, most often keeps you from getting free, and that is what's sitting on top of your shoulders. Your mind is trapped more often than any other part of your body. I know you think that it's other people trapping you, but I'm going to dig down a little deeper into this this morning because you have not moved or been free because of the traps that you have allowed to capture your mind. And I'm going to deal with that this morning and help somebody get loose. So you was with me a few minutes ago. Now you're real nervous. So I want you to look at your neighbor and say, let's get loose this morning. Will you do that? Let's get loose this morning. When you read your Bible, you'll discover that the entire book is really about escaping. From the garden where they were forced out, to the inevitable rapture of the church when we go up. This whole book is really about escaping. Because God created us in His image, in His likeness, and us and sin messed that up. So the Bible was given to us as a handbook for us to escape the traps that we make. So that we can escape the traps and arrive in freedom. That's my whole series. To escape the trap, to arrive in freedom. Hold that thought. I'm coming back to it at the end of this message. To escape the trap, to arrive in freedom. The reason I want to expose these traps is primarily because we all face them. We all get stuck in them, and we all blame them on something else. What the enemy does is usually at a very young age of your life, he presents traps and you learn to run to those things to avoid other problems that you are facing. So when you feel pressure or you feel alone or, or you feel like you're worthless, or you feel too fat, or you feel too skinny, or you feel excluded, or you feel abandoned, or life becomes too much for you to take, you start looking for a place to escape. And what the enemy gets good at is from when you are this tall, presenting places for you to run to, and you don't realize that what you're running to is a trap. And so you don't learn to deal with your emotions the way that healthy people deal with them. You don't learn to deal with your problems the way you that, that ends up in a solution. You learn to run to things that the enemy has prepared 
and their traps. So life is full of differences. Listen, in this room and people watching online, we're not all born into the same type of families. Some of you were born into single-parent homes. Some of you were raised by grandparents or by uncles or aunts. We're not all born into the same families. Uh, we certainly have different economic statuses. We didn't all get the same level of education. Some of you are master degree holders and, and some of you barely got through high school and maybe some of you didn't even finish high school and you're sitting here on the GED uh, scholarship program. And that's all okay because we all arrived here by different way, methods. But we all have some things that are exactly the same. Life doesn't treat us all the same in every way, but there's some ways that we all go through. Some problems are universal. They're the same for everybody. All of you end up with Rice Krispies disease. If you live enough days, you'll roll out of bed and you'll realize that you are snap, crackling, and popping all over the place. That's one of the benefits of getting older is that you get to feel old. All of us will be faced with decisions. Every person in this room faces choices. And some choices aren't all that big of a deal. But other choices determine our destiny. I've come here this morning to talk about those kind of choices. Because some choices don't affect much. When you go back at the end of service and you're looking through the rack and you want to buy a Promise of Victory t-shirt, God ain't going to get mad at you if you buy the green one instead of the blue one. You don't have to stand back there and speak in tongues and prophesy that, that, that you'll find a yellow one. That, God ain't going to get mad at you for wearing green instead of blue. That decision just don't matter much. If you leave here this evening and you say, do I want to go get a cheeseburger or pizza for lunch? Your stomach might get upset with you, but God don't care. But there's other choices that you can't afford to get wrong because they're going to cost you more than you're willing to pay. Uh, and, and some of them are very secular. Some of, them, some of them have nothing to do with the Lord. For instance, if you're going to change a job after being at a place for 10 years of your life and you've invested a decade of your life at a place and you're going to change jobs, that's a big deal. If you're going to go to college, which college do you go to and how do you pay for it? That's a big deal because it affects the rest of your life. Is this the person God wants me to marry? That's a big deal. Once you get married and you start wondering, should we have kids? That's a big deal. So it has nothing to do with God. Those things aren't spiritual. They won't get you into heaven. They won't keep you out of heaven. But they're a big deal. They are problems and choices that you make that affect the rest of your life. But the fact is, the results and consequences of our lives are determined more by our choices than any other thing. Do you see this? Burn that into your brain because we're living in a day and an age where everybody wants to be a victim. Everyone wants to blame somebody else for their situation. But the only thing that has made you who you are are the choices that you have made. It's not the hand you were dealt. It's not what side of the tracks you were born on. It's not how the boss mistreated you. It's not that they abandoned you and they divorced you. That's not what made you who you are. What made you who you are are the choices you made. Yes, bad things happened to you. Yes, you were left in an undesirable situation. But how you responded, those were based on the choices you made. They didn't make those choices for you. You sit here this morning a product of your choices. So when you read the Bible, you encounter numerous people who make good choices, and because they make good choices, they got blessed. 
But you also encounter a lot of people, many others, who made poor choices. And they suffered because of them. When the children of Israel chose to obey God, the blessing of the Lord was with them. But when they chose to disobey and rebel against God's way, their enemies defeated them and took them captive. You know what that's called? Trapped. They went into captivity. They were trapped by their enemies. Not because God didn't love them, but because they made terrible choices. It wasn't God's fault. It wasn't that they didn't have enough help. It's not that they didn't graduate college or that they went to the Baptist church instead of the Pentecostal church. That's not what got them in trouble. What got them in trouble was it all came down to the choices that they made. Because our choices determine our destinies. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses, after being up on the mountain with God for 40 days, talking directly to God, comes down off the mountain and comes and approaches the camp And you know what he finds? His assistant pastor and the whole church dancing naked around a golden calf. Moses has a staff meeting, calls his assistant brother in and says, Hey, Aaron, what's going on here? Aaron said, I didn't do it. Listen, all these uh, these women came in here, and they ain't holiness church of God women. They had them ear bobs in. So I made them take all of them out, and I threw them in the fire, and this cow just jumped out. So as Moses saw what was going on, he takes charge of the situation. And look what he does in Exodus 32 and 26. He stood at the entrance of the camp and shouted. Do you, you know why you shout? You know why when you shout at your kids why you're shouting? You want their attention undivided. You want them to know we just kicked it up a notch. What I'm about to say is a little more important than what I was saying a while ago. We were talking a while ago about, you know, the, the dishes that need to be done. But hey, I want your attention. I want you to pay attention to me. Hey, I want you to know that what I'm about to say is important. So Moses stands at the entrance of the camp and shouts. If you're on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And the Levites came and joined him. You know what he said? It's time for you to make a choice. Do you realize that you can be in church but not be making a choice to be on the Lord's side? I wish I had a witness in this church. Oh yeah, you can be in church every Sunday. Every time the doors are open, you can come to the Lord's house. These people were in the Lord's camp. They were called His people. But Moses stands in front of them and shouts. and says, it's time for you people to quit playing church. It's time for you to quit playing religious games and make a decision. If you want to be on the Lord's side, it's time for you to buckle down and make the right choice. Because what Moses was telling them is what I'm trying to tell you. Choices matter. And look what he says in Deuteronomy 30. God instructed Moses to give him another choice. Chapter 30, verse 19. He said, today I have given you the choice between life and death. And some of y'all have been with me a long time. What's my favorite line here? Choose life, dummy. It's really not that hard, is it? If you got a choice between life and death, why would you choose one and not the other? Choose life, dummy. I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. 
Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life. Look what he says. Look what he says. Choices matter. Look at your neighbor and say, choices matter. Uh huh. Why do I say that? Because he says if you make the right choice, your kids will live. Decisions, choices are important. This is pretty serious stuff. He said you can do whatever you want to do, but whatever you choose, you're going to be stuck with your consequences. You can choose blessing, you can choose cursing, you can choose life, you can choose death, but pay not, But please understand, whatever choice you make carries a consequence with it. If you choose life, you'll live and so will your children, but if you choose death, don't blame God that you end up in a bad situation. So many of us are, are floating through life and we're, we're, we're exacerbated by our circumstances and we're overwhelmed by life, but we always want to blame somebody else's when really it boils down to what choices did you make that led you to this place? Years later, Moses is dead. They've come into the promised land and Joshua's in charge, but Joshua's an old man as well and he's about to die. And he wants Israel to understand the challenge of success after he's gone. And in Joshua 24 and 15, Joshua says, If you refuse to serve the Lord, make your choice today who you will serve. If you don't want to serve God, ooh, you are choosing something. See, 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 you can't be indifferent and not choose one side or the other. You are choosing without choosing. And he says, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you will serve. Because you're serving a God. It may not be Him, but you are serving a God. Would you prefer the God your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. See, Joshua probably learned from Moses how important it was for choices that we make because they determine our destiny. Can I ask you before I move on, what kind of choices are you making right now? I'm not, I'm not going to give an altar call just yet, but I want you to put a pin in that because what kind of choices have led you to your situation? Whatever you carried into this room this morning, whatever heaviness you're under, whatever you've been blaming on somebody else, can I ask you, to examine yourself. I don't want you to come up here. This is not confession time. I'm not going to take you in the side room and put a curtain between us and let you confess. I just want to know what kind of choices have you made? Because if they're self-serving choices, now you know why God's not been a part of it. If they have been dangerous to your spirit walk, now you know why your prayers don't seem to reach heaven. If your choices are taking you in directions that you don't want to go, no matter what they are, I promise you, you will never go wrong by choosing to do what pleases the Lord. Everybody in this room made choices before you came into this room. Some of those choices were small, like whether you like your oatmeal runny or lumpy. However, others carry more significant weight to your destiny. Look at your neighbor and say, you have chosen. Mm. Uh, now, now look at your other neighbor and say, you too. I don't want you to leave them out because some of y'all go to the same neighbor all the time. 
What have I chosen, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked. You've chosen your words. You've chosen your attitude. Oh, I know, I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings because y'all sitting there going, oh, they just make me so mad. No, they didn't make you anything. You chose that attitude. Oh, they did some stuff to hurt you. They did some stuff to push you. They did some stuff to antagonize you. They did some stuff to instigate you. But what you allowed to let it do to you, that's on you, baby. So, so you have chosen your attitude. You chose your personality. Did you know that? I know you like to blame it. Oh, I'm hot-headed like my daddy. No, I'm telling you, ain't no hothead in this room like Rife Mitchum. And at some point, I had to walk away from that excuse and recognize that I was making the decision to make the veins on my neck pop out. Rife Mitchum is dead and gone. And for me to use him as an excuse because I slapped the taste out of your mouth, that is not only disingenuous, it's not even natural. I chose my personality. You know what else you chose? The way you treat other folks. You chose that. Oh, they just make me so mad. What are you, a guppy? They scoop you up out of the good mood bowl and put you in the bad mood bowl? No, you chose how you treat other people and how you respond to how they treat you. You chose your mindset. One thing I'm going to try to adjust during this series is the way you think. Because your mind has been trapped for a long time. You chose whether you're worried right now or not. Everybody in this room, listen, because some of you think that you're going through stuff nobody else can recognize. Every person in this room has been given the opportunity to worry and fear. Some of you have chosen to take the opportunity and others have chosen to say, "Ah, not today, devil, not today. If your mind is trapped by fear, if your mind is trapped by worry, you chose. You chose whether you are a selfish individual or you're a giver. You chose. You say, no, Pastor, I didn't choose that. I'm poor. I've met some of the most generous poor folks in my life. I've met folks that didn't have two dimes to rub together, but they would give you the shirt off of their back, and they were very, very, very wise about how to give even when it didn't seem like they had the means to give. And you have chosen, sitting right here under the sound of my voice or watching by live stream, you have chosen whether you hold on to a fence or you let it go. I'm going to make a statement on this screen, and I'm not going to back up from it. I'm going I'm to declare over this generation that you have been sold a lie, and it has trapped your mind to the point to where some of you have not moved forward in decades but hear me you are not helpless you are not a victim you are not a product of what happened to you you are a chooser a decision maker and if you don't like the fruit of your life try a different choice oh that's bold pastor that's right me and the Holy Ghost ain't afraid of none of you I'm here to represent it because I'm tired of people blaming the Lord, blaming other folks because they've been stagnant and haven't been productive. Can I tell you that there's a man in the Old Testament whose destiny should have been great. An angel appeared to a woman who had never had children and the Bible says her womb was barren. And the angel spoke to her and said, not only was she going to have a baby, but that baby was going to deliver God's people from the Philistines. 
And here's what the Bible says about that baby. Once she became pregnant and had the child, the Bible says the woman gave birth to a boy and named his name Samson. He grew, catch this, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Listen, Samson was born to succeed. He was given every advantage anybody could ever ask for. The Lord prophesied over his life before he was even born and prophesied that he was destined for greatness. But Samson could not get out of his own way. God had given him supernatural strength and cunning intelligence and the Spirit of God gave him victory after victory but Samson liked to do things his way. He knew what he was supposed to do to please the Lord but all too often he followed his fleshly desires and made sinful choices. Samson's story could have been one of the greatest stories ever told, but it ends up tragic with his eyes plucked out, grinding meal in his enemy's camp because despite all the greatness that God put in him, the choices Samson make robbed him of his destiny. And I have come here to call somebody out of the enemy's camp and into your destiny. And it's about the choices that have been trapped in your mind. My God, somebody give God God pray. Somebody's got to come out this morning. Now, if you don't like the Old Testament, let's move to the New. Because throughout the, the Gospels, Jesus constantly puts choices in front of people, especially his disciples. He was always calling them to a higher level of commitment. And anytime God calls you to commit more of you, it's a choice. Jesus started at the ground floor. Every disciple got called the same way. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus calls Peter and Andrew off of a fishing boat. He says, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He gave them a choice. He gave them, he presents to them a choice. You know what choice they made? Verse 20 tells us, at once they left their nets and followed him. They didn't spend 40 days fasting. Bible says they laid it down right then. They didn't weigh options. They didn't make a list of pros and cons. They made a choice instantly to lay down their nets, which was their living, by the way, and followed him. How many knows they made the right choice? Does anybody in this church remember the day you made that choice? Do you remember the day you made the choice to follow him? When he called you to follow me? And I don't know where you were. Maybe he was in a church. Maybe he was in an old GMC pickup truck. I don't know. Maybe he was in your bedroom. But do you remember the day you made the choice to follow him? Do you remember how excited you were to get going and to follow him? I mean, some of you remember, don't you, how you threw your nets down and you chased Jesus? Do you remember when joy replaced sorrow in your life? How peace came in the place of your storms? How all of your empty places got filled up with His Spirit? Do you remember what it was like the day you made the choice to follow Jesus? But can I tell you that despite what some churches believe, you can't make that decision once. You have to make that decision every day that you live over and over and over and over. I'm going to follow God today. 
I don't know what tomorrow might bring because I don't even know if I'm invited into tomorrow just yet. But today, Lord, help me order my steps. Give me the ability to follow you because today I dedicate it to you, Lord. I'm going to get out of bed here in a minute. So far, I ain't cussed nobody out. So far, I ain't slapped nobody. So far, I ain't flipped nobody off while I was driving in Walmart's parking lot. But in a minute, I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to need a whole lot more help from you, Jesus. I ain't been mean to the wife yet. I ain't kicked the dog. I ain't slammed the door. I ain't told the boss off under my breath. But in a minute, I'm going to get out of bed. And I'm going to need a whole lot more assistance from this Holy Spirit in a minute. So I want you to, I want you to please help me. Say, I'm going to dedicate today. You've got to make that decision every day. Remember how excited you were to follow Jesus when it first began? That's what these disciples are going through. He called them, and man, they were excited. They threw down their nets, and they ran off their boat, and they followed him from town to town, city to city. Everywhere Jesus went, the disciples were sure to go. You remember what it was like? Now, look, don't look at your spouse. Brothers, keep your eyes right here. I'm not trying to get you needing a ride home from church. But do you remember how excited you were? When you first met her, oh my, I mean, she was F-I-N-E fine, was she not? I mean, every time you saw her, remember how excited she was, you was? Remember, remember how excited you was to put a ring on it? Remember how excited you was and nervous you was? You were standing in front of the preacher and he was saying to you, to you, and everything was, and little bluebirds, it was like a Disney movie and you heard the chirping. Remember, do you remember that? And then, look, right here, keep your eyes right here, fellas. Come on, I'm trying to help you. Remember how fine she was? And then she started talking. Ladies, remember how he was all cut and buff? and He'd walk down the street and you'd go, mm, mm. Brother is fine. And you, every time you'd see him, like you could smell his cologne from around the corner. You'd be like, oh, he's near. Huh? And you'd hug him real tight. And when he would leave, you'd sniff your shirt. And you'd say, I still smell like you. And then he started talking. And what got you so excited in the beginning was harder to find once they started talking. Because when they started talking, they exposed more of themselves than what first got you excited. And the same thing happens when you follow Jesus. As a matter of fact, after you've been walking with Jesus for a period of time, you will discover that your choices become more difficult. After you, when you first started following Jesus, you were really, really excited. But as your level of commitment increases, the sacrifice becomes greater, which causes the choices that you make to keep following Him more difficult to make. And it would be easy if Jesus would just stay fine. It'd be easy if Jesus would just tell you that you are great in the kingdom. 
that you're the head and not the tail, and above and not beneath. It'd be great if Jesus was just always stopping funerals and raising little boys from the dead or send you down to the lake to catch a big old bass that's got gold coins in his mouth. It'd be great if that's the Jesus, but Jesus starts talking. And what attracted you to follow him in the first place becomes harder the more he talks. See, Jesus was fine in the beginning because Jesus was raising the dead. He was fine in the beginning because he was feeding the 5,000. He was fine in the beginning because everything you, you wanted, you found in him. But then he started talking. And he says stuff like Matthew 16 and 24. If anybody comes after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. He starts saying things like Mark 9 and 35. If anybody wants to be first, he has to be the very last and the servant of all. It becomes harder to follow him because the choices become more difficult. John chapter 6, there's an interesting picture that starts developing. And I'm going to talk to you this morning. And as I get ready to close this sermon down, I want to take you to John chapter 6 and walk you through some scriptures. It starts off with Jesus feeding the 5,000, which always draws a crowd. Everybody loves to follow Jesus when he's feeding the multitudes. And then he crosses the lake without a boat. He walks across on his own two feet. But then he's fine. Oh, man, Jesus is fine when he's feeding the multitudes and when he's walking on water. Woo! Watch Jesus go. His cheerleading team is in the boat, and they are cheering him on. It is good to be on the ministry team of Jesus Christ. Man, his cheerleaders are in the boat. Yeah, go Jesus! And then he starts talking. And listen to what he says in John chapter 6 and verse 41. He tells him he's the bread of life. He says, I'm the bread of life. And look what happens in 41. The people start to murmur in disagreement. Because he said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. They said, isn't this just Jesus, the son of Joseph? Well, I went to high school with him. Who does he think he is? I know his mom and daddy. They live right over on Elm Street. And that old run down rackety shack. And to be honest with you, Jesus wasn't even that good of a carpenter. He made us a dining room table and the leg was wobbly. And now he wants to tell us that he's the bread of life who does this guy think he is where does he get off thinking that he's the bread of life that he has come down from heaven he didn't come down from heaven he was born over there in Bethlehem in a stall next to some smelly cow and he wants us to believe he come down from heaven oh he's so special see they thought he was all that they thought he was fine when he was walking on water but when he starts making them make a choice, the decisions to continue following him gets harder and harder to make. Verse 43, but Jesus said, stop complaining about what I said. And then he tells them in verse 53, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. They were all in for the miracles. But when Jesus starts calling them to real commitment, when they have a serious choice to make, they start backing up. They start questioning his leadership when he makes them make tough choices. 
They chose to start following Jesus, but the choice is harder now, and they have more choices to make. And the sad part is a lot of these disciples did what a lot of church folk do today when the commitment comes too great. Look at what happens in verse 66. And at this point, many turned around and left Jesus. As a matter of fact, the scripture says at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. They turned away and deserted him. Why? Because their past choice got them to this point. But their present choice determined their destiny. Their past choice got them to follow Jesus. But their present choice determines where they go from here. And most of you, I'm assuming, have made a choice to follow Jesus. And it's got you this far. But the choices you make today are going to determine your destiny. Some of you are trapped between destiny and disaster. Not because you don't love Jesus because you have allowed your mind to become trapped in choices that you don't feel like you can ever get free from. Let me lay this down for you as I conclude this message. There are countless souls out there today who walked away when the choices got too heavy. They deserted him when he required more of them than they were willing to give. But the truth is, There's a lot of you sitting in this room this morning and watching by live stream that has faced this exact same situation. And you didn't nearly make it. There are people under the sound of my voice that know how close they were to making the wrong choice and walking away. Some of you under the sound of my voice this morning almost left Jesus when he asked you to leave that addiction. When he asked you to let that habit go. Maybe it was a career that was pulling you away. Maybe it was a relationship that you know God wasn't pleased with. And it was pulling you and you had a choice to make. Do I follow him and continue on the path? Or do I choose to stay in this relationship that I shouldn't be in? You had to make a choice. And some of you know in your heart how close you were to making the wrong choice. Some of you sitting under the sound of my voice know how close you were to throwing it all away. Somebody, I know you're embarrassed and you don't want your neighbor to know that it's you. But somebody knows how close you were to abandoning and leaving Jesus and following after a relationship with somebody else. You almost let it all go. You almost cut him off. You almost abandoned him when he made you decide between him and it. Do I want this thing or do I want him? Because the time comes when he makes you make a choice. If you're going to have that, you got to let go of me. 
And if you want to hold me, you're going to have to abandon that. And some of you are sitting here this morning knowing how close you were to letting that thing keep you away from him. I know you don't want your neighbor to know it was you. But I think every person in this room, including this preacher, that knows how trapped I have been between my destiny and destruction, I think I ought to give God a good hand clap of praise because he found me when I didn't deserve it, and he freed me when I couldn't earn it, and he let me go, and I was trapped. I had things that was pulling at me, that was tugging at me, that had me in bondage, and there were things that I knew that if I wanted more of him, I was going to have to let go of that. Maybe it was my attitude. Maybe it was a habit maybe it was an addiction maybe it was a bad relationship but I couldn't hold on to it and hold on to him so I had to free myself from one and get unstuck and untrapped so that I could get after him and I've come to testify that if he did it for me then bless God he can do it for you you ain't too far gone he's got the ability to bring you to your destiny you just got a choice to make now think back to the beginning of this message Moses was leading Israel in the wilderness. Why? Because they were trapped. They were walking around the same mountain for 40 years. Somebody say trapped. I'm closing, so I'm going to let you go. I'm going to get out of your way. It's been quiet in here today. He's been walking around the same mountain for 40 years. Trapped. But they weren't trapped by the wilderness. They weren't trapped by Pharaoh. Pharaoh's army had drowned. They were trapped because in their mind, when given the opportunity to believe God was going to bring them into destiny, they didn't believe God was bigger than giants. So they, in their mind, got trapped and ended up in destruction, in disaster, because they couldn't believe in their destiny. So they were trapped. Say trapped. They were trapped in the wilderness. How did they get in the wilderness in the first place? I'm glad you asked. Before they got in the wilderness, they had escaped Egypt. They escaped from one thing to get trapped in an they escaped a trap, but what they ran to became a trap. They, they escaped a trap, but what they ran to ended up being a trap. And how did they end up in Egypt? In the first place, they ran from a famine. They escaped a famine and ran to Egypt where they became slaves. They ran from a trap and escaped to a trap. So the thing they ran to eventually became as bad as the thing they ran from. The thing that they escaped to eventually became a trap that they couldn't get loose from. Let, let, me, let me talk to every person in this room for just a minute. Because some of you are at this place in your life because of choices you made to escape 
from something and you didn't realize you were running from a trap to a trap. You don't get the love at home that you want from your husband, from your wife, so you run as an escape, but you don't realize that running into the arms of another person is a trap. And once you're in those arms, it's not easy to get loose from the trap that you escaped from and escaped to. What you escaped to becomes a trap. You, you think you're doing the right thing by, by cutting people off and not telling them uh, 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 anything about your life because you, you're escaping from your feelings, but you don't realize that when you really need somebody, you're going to be trapped and lonely and not have anybody to share it with because you have built big high walls and shut everybody out and you no longer have anybody to confide in. And, and now you have run from one trap and where you've ended up has become a trap. Now you're living in fear and you feel abandoned while people love you but you shut them out because you have gotten yourself loose from one thing only to get trapped by something else. And God has something better than that. Some of you have met, ran to bad choices because you were trying to escape a famine. You don't feel appreciated at home. That's a famine of appreciation. You don't get companionship that you want. It's a famine of companionship. Maybe you're in a famine of love. Maybe you're in a famine of laughter and nobody makes you feel good anymore so you run to somebody who makes you laugh but what you run to will make you a slave. So here's the deal. You've made the choice to get in. You have to make the choice to get out. You're trapped between your destiny and disaster. Not because somebody else did you wrong, but because your mind has been trapped and you don't think you can do any better. So my question to you is, are you going to do anything about it? Or are you going to stay trapped? Is this disaster that you call a life what you had planned when you started following Jesus or are you ready to start making some different choices? Is where you're at this morning if where you're at this morning isn't where you want to be does this feel like your destiny? Like, Do, do you feel like you're walking in the fullness that God has for you? Or is there always this calling like in the back of your mind somewhere you just always feel like God could do so much more with me than where I presently am. And then when your mind starts thinking that way, what do you start doing? You start blaming the pastor or the pastor's wife or you start blaming the boss at work or you start blaming your husband or your wife or your mama because she didn't buy you a pony when you were three years old. You start blaming other folks, but it's your mind that's trapped. You've never considered life could be better than this. You've gotten so comfortable in the trap, the trap looks the same on the inside as it did on the outside. You've just decided to stay there. This is as good as life's ever going to be. I guess this is going to be my lot in life. I guess I'm just going to always have to be alone. I guess I'm just going to always have to feel this pain. I guess I'm just going to always be abandoned. 
But you are where you are because of the choices you've made has brought you to this point. But what about your destiny? See, the choices have gotten harder. It was easy to start following Jesus in the beginning. But if you're going to go to your destiny, the choices are harder. How far do you want to go? You only want to stand in the background and watch him multiply fish and loaves? Or do you want to get on the boat and face the storm and trust him to bring you to the other side? Because those are two totally different groups of people. Some people are content standing over in the corner and watching him raise Lazarus from the dead. There's other folks that want to go up there and start pushing that stone away from the tomb because they say, I want to see what the Lord can do in my life. So which one are you? Which one are you? Are you trapped between where he's taken you and where you were? I'm glad you're not who you used to be, but are you really who he wants you to be? Are you stuck somewhere between your destiny and where you began? The choices got harder. I know they did. It doesn't mean that you had to quit. It doesn't mean you should be trapped. Some of you have so much destiny inside of you. That's why the devil is always beating on you. That's why the devil's always got his arm around you trying to hold you back because he knows what will happen if you ever get loose. He knows what's going to happen and transpire in the kingdom. If you ever get your mind free and the rest of you follows you out, he knows that hell is in for a barrage of Holy Ghost unction that it has not seen in a long time. And that's why he wants to keep you bound up and trapped. But I've come to prophesy over somebody's life this morning that God wants you loose. Be loose and let them go in the name of Jesus. You are loose. You are free. You've got the ability to make a choice this morning to get loose, to get out of this trap, to be set free once and for all, and to be on your road to destiny. This is not, he didn't call you here to die. He didn't call you here to stay trapped. He called you to this point, and he's calling you into a higher destiny and a purpose that you have not yet seen. And this is your moment. These are your days. Now, I'm not going to stay. A lot of here. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here trying to get you and pull you and nudge you because to be honest with you, it won't affect me much. If you stay trapped, I'm going to go home and sleep tonight. I'm going to get up in the morning and serve the Lord and I'm going to try to walk in Holy Ghost power. You're hurting nobody but you. And if your pride keeps you in that chair this morning instead of coming to this altar, because I don't want people to think that I'm stuck, well then you're stuck farther than I thought you were. If you're trapped this morning, I've got some brother, I've got some brothers and sisters up here that I'm going to call in a few moments to come and pray with you. Because God's got a destiny for you, and I don't think you ought to sell yourself short and stop because you have not entered into your destiny just yet. There's freedom in Christ. I'm preaching freedom this morning. You let this word get inside of you. And there is no telling how free you will get before you leave this place. Brother Mark, Sister Nancy, would you guys come? And Brother Jean, Sister Amy, you guys want to come up and help? Pastor Jean, you want to come up and help me pray over some of these individuals in this altar this morning? Y'all got any Stephen ministers uh, in the room that I didn't call? If I do, come on up. Some of our Stephen ministers are praying up here, and that's great. I don't want to stop them. Pastor Jerry, come on. Sister Rachel, come on, help us pray. 
Come up here and lay hands on some of these people. If you're a Stephen minister, come up here and lay hands on some of these folks. If you're a staff member, come up here and lay hands on some of these folks. There's freedom in Jesus Christ. Hey, we're going to get somebody through to their destiny this morning. My God in heaven, be loosed. Be loosed. Be loosed. Be loosed in the name of Jesus. Be loosed. Be loosed in the name of Jesus. My God, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. Be loosed in the name of Jesus.